you're going to be such an integral part in like all of these kids' lives in such an important way. You're helping them get to the next step. Are you are you crying? Don't, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Chapter 20-something with me, Kylie McDonald. Um, Merry almost Christmas, if you celebrate. I actually can't believe that it is... What day even is it? Oh, it's on Friday? Why did I think it was on Wednesday? Okay, I have a little more time than I thought. (laughs) Update from last week. I did get all my Christmas shopping done. Shout out. Amazon, literally the only option I left myself. So, just a little heads up, friends and family, all of your gifts will be from Amazon. I know, not the best, but I was just not that responsible with gift shopping this year, but I did. I did, I promise, I put effort and thought into every gift. We will see what my family thinks on Friday. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of holidays and winter we got hit with snow this week in new york honestly one of the biggest snowstorms i've seen in a minute for sure it was the first time since i've been working at the lottery for three years now that everybody was told we didn't have to come in because of the weather usually like we go in no matter what but it was really that severe that we didn't have to go in which is crazy and so that was nice to have a little snow day but my car and the snow have a bad bad history um (laughs) that's not a song i don't know why i just decided to sing that but um yeah so if there's a car that's gonna get stuck in the snow it's gonna be my car if a car is not gonna start because it's too cold gonna be my white buick so if there was a car in all of this town that's battery was gonna die from the cold it was going to be my car so that it was after a really nice needed day off in the snow, a little snow day, like, you know, you're in school again, it's the best. After shoveling my car out of the snow for hours, I go to work on Friday morning and I start the car and like, there's this awful, awful squeaking noise. I'm like, that, I don't know what that is, but I gotta get to work. And um, my roommate was like, um, I think your tires are just working too hard. Put it in four-wheel drive. So when I put it in four-wheel drive, the noise went away. So it's like, oh, that has to be it. Whatever. Drive about a mile and the battery light comes on. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, a story for another time, but I have had a new engine <laughs> and new brakes put into my car 
and out of my bank account um, this year. So the battery light comes on. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, you know what? literally like so stupid i'm like you know what it's probably just you know i haven't driven it for a few days so it probably just like came on and then when i started again it will just you know go off like sometimes those those silly lights just come on <laughs> no um so i get on the highway go above 40 miles per hour and the car just starts to like shake i'm like damn it damn it and i'm only on the highway for like five minutes so i'm like just get to the exit then you you know maybe maybe you can make it to work I don't know I was just like trying to be so optimistic in my head it was the craziest thing first you know I was listening to a podcast and the whole podcast just shuts off and then all the computers in the car just shuts off and then there was like a loud boom and you could feel the car just like literally stop and it was so scary and thankfully everything was okay I just like pulled off to the side of the highway without a turning steering wheel somehow did that put it in park thankfully was able to get a tow truck way too expensive for a like 10 mile drive but whatever had to do it so got a tow truck to shout out Mavis discount tire you come and glitch every time <laughs> and I mean every time oh my god so needed a new battery and I guess when I was driving the like serpentine belt question mark I might be wrong but that shredded so it like I don't know what I'm saying it um stopped the battery from working and connecting to the alternator so thankfully the alternator was fine and what I had to pay not great especially around Christmas time but less expensive than replacing an alternator so I did get my car back within the day for some reason after I dropped it off at Mavis I was like really mad and annoyed and I was like I'm just gonna walk home I'm not gonna like call for a ride or anything so I walked home in like my sneakers and leggings in like 20 degree weather like two miles and when I got home literally thought I had frostbite and was like going into a panic I'm like what is this day what am I doing to myself <laughs> why am I sharing this literally just such a bad decision I was like you know I was like you know what? I'm just gonna walk it off like try to get into a better mindset and that did not happen but got my car back went to Mexican with my friend Katie ended up having a nice weekend somehow you know between the snowstorm the car dilemma and the weekend I ended up getting a little four-day vacation not the vacation that I've wanted and like have desired all throughout 2020 but I got four days off <laughs> um and thankfully very thankfully my bosses at work are like so kind and so understanding and so helpful when situations like that happen so um all is well Today on the show, we have Kara Stevens. She is an old friend of mine, and she's a college counselor who helps kids find the next phase of their life, whatever that may be. She helps them figure out what they want to do and helps them get there. And she's just someone who you can tell right from the beginning really just loves what she does. And that's the kind of person you want in that type of role. Um, so she's just a joy to talk to. It was also her birthday on Sunday. Shout out, happy birthday, Kara. Um, so she works for an organization called 12 Plus, and um, they just had a winter fundraiser, but they are also taking donations. 
So, if you listen to Kara, love what she does, um, which you will, and you would like to make a holiday donation, feel free to go to 12, the number, 12plus.org, and uh, yeah, make a little donation to help uh, these students out. Follow the podcast on Instagram at chapter20somethingpod. You can follow me, official Kylie McDonald, and most importantly, go make a donation to 12+. plus. And everybody, Merry Christmas. Enjoy this holiday. I will talk to you next week for the last episode of 2020. Alrighty. Enjoy Kara Stevens. Have a great day, guys. Bye. All right, we're recording. And today I'm here with Kara Stevens. She is a college counselor and she's someone I've known literally my whole entire life. So (laughs) it's so good. It's been so long, Kara. I know. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. (laughs) Of course. So before we get into it, we really like I feel like I've known you since I was like five or six, maybe. I was trying to do the math today. It's definitely before you were like like it's been a long time (laughs) yeah so basically like our families are best friends like our sisters are best friends our parents are and we were like we were always friends but (laughs) it was like all right everybody go play with your best friend and exactly we like did our thing and we did it and like Shane would join with us too we had our own thing going on we went to like Outer Banks together for years we did our thing and yeah now you're off in the world just killing it Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> no, we all are. We all are. But yeah, so I just, I really admire you because you just are doing such great things with your life and with your work. And you're really just putting your values first, as it seems. So thank that's you some, so much. of course, that's something we all should aspire to do. So why don't you explain to everybody what you do now with your job? Yeah, totally. So uh, my official title is fellowship coordinator. But it's a small nonprofit, so everyone kind of has a fancy title. Essentially, I am a college and career counselor at a small public high school in Kensington, Philadelphia. Uh, So my job is to make sure that every senior has a plan for after graduation, be that college, trade school, a job, the military, whatever it is that they're interested in. And I also work in terms of the nonprofit side. I work on things like development, event planning, a little bit. I'm, I'm getting my feet wet with that stuff. So Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, you're helping, helping the kids out there. So that's great. So, so we got a little basis of what you do. Let's go back to how you ended up here. So <laughs> you grew up, as I did too, like in Poughkeepsie. Um, how would you describe yourself as a kid? I think you definitely know firsthand. I I wasn't the most confident kid. I was super awkward all the time, (laughs) super anxious all the time. Like, uh, and I also think, I mean, you and I both have incredibly confident, outgoing younger siblings. Um, And I would put you in that category too. Like, I think you're a very confident, outgoing person. Um, And it was just never my vibe. (laughs) Um, Kept to myself, read a lot of books, um, tried very hard to like blend into the background as much as I could. And I really didn't stop feeling that way probably until college. So Mm. it has a lot to do with why, you know, our our siblings, I think we're usually the star of the show whenever we were together. Yeah, definitely. And even if it didn't seem that way too, like I was totally like an anxious kid and like was always, maybe it has something to do with being the oldest too, because you are as well. 
And it's oh, yeah. when you're the first to go through everything, it's scary because you don't have anyone to turn to. And it is, you know, even if your parents are as ours were, like obviously always there, always supportive, mm-hmm. you're still alone and you're still trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah. And that's, oh, I think that just creates anxiety. <laughs> For sure. I think like being the oldest, especially being the oldest daughter, it's mm-hmm. such a unique position to be in, in a family. I was having a conversation with my youngest sister, Molly, just last week. Um, she's a freshman in college and she asked me to proofread an essay for her. And I was making jokes with her about how like she, her whole life has had two people to check her work for her and help her with things. And she was like, yeah, how did you do everything? Like ever, who was doing this for you? And I was like, yes. no one. Nobody, it was yeah. just me out in the wilderness. <laughs> Yeah. So I do think it breeds a bit of anxiety, but yeah, I I never got that vibe from you growing up. You always seemed like you really knew what you were doing. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I can fake it. Still, I'm like still faking it. I don't know. Oh, same. (laughs) I think that's like in early twenties, you know, motif. But oh my God, you were always reading and your hamster (laughs) was named Junie B. Jones. Correct. Sarah's hamster was Junie B and that was like a legend of the hamster. <laughs> yes, Junie B Jones, Oreo, Stevens. Um we you know my dad is like a fiend for home videos. So yes. lots of memories with her. Um yeah, I think I like always had my nose in a book. Um I have distinct memories of like sneaking into <laughs> this is a weird way to start a sentence. I would like sneak into your room, take a book out of your bookshelf and then read it for the entire time. I was at Wait, at, like my room? Because <laughs> so like, I never knew that. I don't know why I was oh sneaking God. about it. I could have just I been, know. Like, like to read something. I know. And I could have been like, yeah, Kara, go grab a book. <laughs> You're like hiding while we're downstairs, probably eating ice cream. Oh my God. That is so funny. But you know what? I'm glad that you were able to do that. <laughs> that made you feel comfortable. That just cracked me up because seriously, never, never would have known. <laughs> it's, it's just very on brand for me. Like a little yeah. unnecessarily sneaky and just, <laughs> just being a little weirdo. <laughs> there you go. You know what? I wouldn't say that's a bad thing at all. <laughs> oh my God. Too funny. Okay. So then did you want to study English originally? Yeah. I did, but I don't know that I knew exactly what it encompassed. I just knew like, oh, that's what you study when you like reading and when you like writing. Sure. Um, I didn't totally understand like literary theory or like exactly what my classes would be other than reading a lot. Um, But I fell in love with it as I went through it. And I was uh, a registered English major when I joined Brooklyn College. And then I added my second major, women's and gender studies, I think a year into being at school in Brooklyn. Um, But I always knew English was what I wanted to do. And for a while, I thought about maybe doing creative writing. But I think I I just liked the chance to talk about books with people and call that (laughs) a college degree. So yeah. Um, And then you went into gender and women's studies as well. Uh, What made you want to uh, pursue that professionally? I, I think, again, even though my parents were very supportive of me going to college, I don't know that we ever talked about what college would look like. So even as I was in it, I didn't totally understand what it meant to major in something, at least in the beginning. Um, So I knew that I was interested in studying gender to some capacity, but I didn't know how 
I would do that or what that looked like for people. So I took an intro course um, and my professor was just this incredible, incredible person, a sociologist and a gender studies professor. And they really inspired me to get into the field more. So I just kept taking classes and eventually realized it, it was informing what I did in all of my other classes. Uh, like it informed the books I wanted to read and my English courses and informed how I wrote my papers and looked at media. So that's so great. And um, I think those courses or just gender studies in general are just so important for everybody to take or just to learn about more because like you said, it does affect how you see the media. It does affect how you see the world and how we treat one another in the society. And it's, it's something that you can learn about, know the history of, and then see, all right, how can we create a better future for all of us? Um, Yeah. yeah. Would you agree? Like, is, is it something you think everybody should learn about? Definitely. I mean, I don't think it's something everyone needs to get a degree in, but I think even taking one class, whether that's an intro class or like a women in media, women in film class, like understanding that there is theory and history embedded into everything we experience in our day-to-day lives and putting words to phenomena that you're probably experiencing as a woman or as a person who exists with a gender. Um, Understanding it's not just you and that it's not just happening where you are, I think is really powerful. Um, because so much of what you talk about in gender studies is stuff you don't talk about anywhere else outside of maybe like private company with friends or family. So hearing it spoken about in a public setting is really empowering, I think. It is. And it's so important too. And it's honestly like, it's something I'm passionate about, but I wouldn't say I'm, I'm obviously not the most educated person in the field, but even just to have the curiosity to be like, all right, well, let me learn a little more about this. Like, like you said, you don't need to get a degree in it, but it's do something to help better your world, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And then in college, you also went to England for a period of time. I did. Yeah. I think I went abroad maybe the year after you did. I'm not totally sure. I think so. Yeah. Cause I I remember you asking some questions about it. Yes, Kara, go do it. (laughs) Yeah, I studied abroad in Brighton, England. Um, My school had a variety of programs, but I was really only eligible for the ones where classes were being taught in English because my Spanish and French are not up to par. Um, I neither. So so I, I chose Brighton. It was what I thought to be a really good school. I still barely understand the UK university system, but I loved my time there and I loved the school. I was at Sussex University. I mean, every trope and stereotype about studying abroad is true like it was life-changing it it altered my perspective on myself and on the world I live in and on what I hope to do in the future I was really really fortunate to have some funding from my school so I got to country hop and I went Mm. to Germany and Czechia and uh, so many places (laughs) Um, I ended up going to Morocco after my semester abroad I went there for like nine days before I went home And it was just something I didn't really ever think I'd be able to do. And I would say I haven't stopped since, but obviously I have stopped since March. (laughs) Um, But but up until then, I've spent like since 2017 trying to travel and see as much of the world as I can. It's been really incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. And when you talk about how it changed your perspective, how would you say it did so? I think it's kind of twofold. I think the first part is that as someone who had essentially never left the country and really never, or rather never left North America, I had this pretty intense indoctrination into like the American school system of like, 
everyone wants to be in America. Everyone is trying to get here and you are so lucky to live here. And like the lucky to live their part is certainly true in part, but to just see that life exists outside of it, it sounds incredibly simple, but like, it's really not something you fully understand until you see it to understand that like people are actually having very happy lives independent of the United States, which you have been told is the center of the world for so long. Um, So that was really incredibly important to see firsthand and also like quite embarrassing that I needed to, but I definitely did. It's and not then, embarrassing because it's literally how you grow up learning yeah. about the world. <laughs> Thank it's you. how we all do. No, yeah. yeah. It's really intense. Um, and then the second part was that I guess partially connected to the first bit, I just never envisioned myself settling anywhere else. I always kind of thought I'll live in New York City forever. And I got to England and I was like, I could live here. I could be happy here. I've thought about living in Australia. Um, I got to go there a couple of years ago for like 10 days and it was awesome. So Mm. just realizing that there might be more for me than I thought for a long time has been really nice. Wow. How beautiful is that? You know, because it is like, there's a whole world out there and we so often, even if we do travel, we can get caught up in the day-to-day of our work and like our next goal. And like, even, you know, the people who are in our lives right now, but it's like, you've got to remember, there's a whole world of people and experiences and things to do out there. And it's unfortunate right now, obviously we don't have that whole world right now to go to, but um, we will, we'll get it back eventually. And um, I sure hope so. (laughs) I sure hope so too. But that's just so important to remember even in our day-to-day it's like you know what you're never stuck where you are even if you know you're in one job or you're in one town and you think oh there's there's nothing else like no you could leave and you're going to find your way no matter where you are it's just it's just how it is yeah that's beautiful and I think it's true and I think again I'm just so thankful that I had that first study abroad experience to learn that because I don't think that when you grow up in a town as small as where we grow up you have that innate knowledge I think it very much seems like this is where I will live forever <laughs> um, or maybe I'll make it to New York but even that is still in the state you grew up in like yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's a very limited worldview <laughs> Yeah. And even I, like I live three hours from New York city right now. And I'm like, it's hard for me. Cause uh, you know, you grow oh. up and it's like the center of the world is Manhattan and it's yeah, like <laughs> an hour away from home. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah so it's, it's weird how I really judge where I live based off of New York city, but it's like, no, you could go anywhere. You could do anything. Yeah, definitely. You're in Saratoga yeah. Springs, right? I am. So yeah. Beautiful. Come up anytime. Yeah. It's so fun. I will. Okay. No, seriously, come. (laughs) And then I wanted to go back to what you said earlier, how you said how your confidence in yourself really started to grow in college. Would you say it was during the study abroad time where you really saw that in yourself? I think that played a huge part in it. Um, I had been doing some personal growth through my first couple of years of college just because I think it's required of you when you get to college or when you move out of home for the first time. Um, but going abroad, I I didn't go with anyone I knew. I had never been that far away from my family or my friends. I had never lived in a different time zone. Everything about it was new, and it definitely fostered a lot of independence, which then fostered confidence. It, it was really empowering to do it at all, to get on the plane and leave. And it was really important to me that I didn't waste any of the time I had there. So I kind of had to jump in the deep end and be like, I can fly to Spain by myself and it'll be fine. And yeah. um, I did end up getting stuck in the airport for like 12 hours when I did that, but it was still fine. <laughs> like, um, So I think that the the trial and error that comes with traveling and with studying abroad was a huge factor in me becoming a more confident person. 
Yeah, 100%. And even like those travel stories, like the one you just said, like you made it through and you exactly. were fine. And then you have a funny story to <laughs> a tell. Great and it's story. Yeah. And it's that what a great attitude to have about life. It's like, you know what? Maybe I'll fail. Maybe I'll succeed. But I'm going to make it out on the other end, hopefully. But, you yeah. know, what most 99% of the time, you will. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, so then you came back and you finished college. And when you were starting to think about what was next, did you have any idea at that time? Not really. I mm-hmm. was thinking a lot about grad school and I was thinking about jumping straight from undergrad into a PhD, um, which Dang, was rather... Bro. Uh, rather extreme. And I had some friends doing it or attempting it. And I had been on the academia track for so long at that point that I just assumed that's what I needed to do. Mm. Um, And I ended up just being so overwhelmed with the requirements of my senior year that I was like, maybe it's not the time to spend 40 hours a week also applying to PhD programs. Uh, So (laughs) the ambition. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I I ended up taking some time um, and I had a lot of friends, um, both New York friends and some friends I'd met studying abroad who were moving to Philadelphia or had moved to Philadelphia. And I was also coming to terms with the fact that I was not going to be able to afford New York rent for much longer, uh, especially working at an entry-level job. So I started thinking about moving to Philly. I had some friends working in the education sector there, and I started doing research in that field. But I was still just kind of applying to whatever I could find on Indeed (laughs) that looked like I would be a good fit for it. I applied to some publishing companies, and I was considering doing restaurant work again, but I did that for a lot of my teenage years, and I'm hoping I'll never have to go back to it. Oh my god, you worked Uh, at that diner, didn't you? Yes, the Daily Planet (laughs) Diner. (laughs) I remember that. Oh my god. Me and my sister would drive by and be like, I think Kara's working. Let's go like get a coffee or something. <laughs> I was never not working. It was yeah. <laughs> But that's, you do focus on what you want, but you go after it for sure. And you always have. You're a very committed person, 100%. I think that's a really generous way of saying that I'm also a very stubborn person (laughs) Um, and I'll, I'll take it. Um, I do tend to like, I'll get an idea in my head and I cannot let it go until I've accomplished it. So that's something I think sometimes it's a positive and sometimes it's something I need to work on. I think Um, it's the same thing for me too. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, So yeah, I ended up applying to this nonprofit in Philly 12 plus, which is where I still work. I don't know how I got through the interview process because I had never really done formal job interviews before, but somehow I did. Uh, and you, now come on, you speak very well. Let's. Oh, <laughs> I don't think it's impossible to think about how you got a job. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so I was really fortunate. I got hired there and I fell in love with it. Any of my friends who listen to this know that I would jump at any opportunity to talk about my job. So yeah. I'm very excited to you. And yeah, I've, I've been there since. Okay. So before we get into your job, so you moved to Philadelphia. Obviously yeah. you had lived in New York City. So you were used to the city life a little bit, even though Philly is different. Yeah. So when you're post-grad moving to a new city, you know, some people, but maybe not a ton of people. Yeah. What was that experience like for you? Was it a mostly easeful experience or was it tough? It wasn't too bad. It was really fast. Mm. I graduated in early June and my lease ended like a day after my graduation ceremony. Um, so wow. it was quick. I moved back to my parents' house for about a month. I, I uh, 
got into some hot water for not staying longer, but I, <laughs> um, I moved in for about a month and then I found a place in Philly. The process, I mean, my parents are incredible. They helped me move. Um, they promised it's the last time they're going to help me move because they're getting real tired of it. <laughs> um, I, I moved a lot when I lived in Brooklyn. Um, but they helped me and my landlord is the nicest man I've ever met, which is also such a difference from living in New York. Yeah. Um, so really it was one of the smoothest moving processes I've had. I also like, as much as I do still have some New York superiority complex in me, I love how affordable Philadelphia is. I mm. have never lived on my own before this apartment. And I, I don't know when I'll move back to Brooklyn because I don't think I can give up living on my own. And wow. I, I, I don't know what I'll make enough money to do so in New York. So yeah. Wow. That's amazing though. Oh, that makes me so happy that you have your own little place there. Thank and do you have like a good group of people around you as well? I really do. Um, so my, my very best friend, Matthew, uh, we met in England. He's North Carolinian, but he moved to Philly like a year before me. And then I essentially followed him here because he followed me to the Northeast. Um, so I have him. I have a lot of friends through him. I also have some New York transplants who are here. And I fortunately work with a lot of people who are not only like similar in age to me, but also share a lot of interests and passions with me. Yeah. So good friends with a lot of coworkers. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good community. I miss my New York friends, but they're not too far away and hopefully soon it'll be safe to visit them again. So yeah. And even, you know, we were talking about traveling before and it's like, yeah, you can live in a bunch of different places, have a bunch of different quote unquote homes and yeah. have communities there. And then, you know, people everywhere and you've got a home everywhere. So it's kind of oh. cool. All right. So let's go into what you do with your job. So you said you love it. You said you could talk about it forever. So you're working with high school kids. Yes, we essentially work uh, right now. We work in five Philadelphia high schools. Uh, three are in the Northeast. One is in West Philadelphia and one is in like far Northwest Philadelphia. I know that this doesn't really matter to non-Philadelphia listeners, but <laughs> um, kind of spread out. Um, and most of us work within the schools on teams of three uh, and we're there every hour that the kids are there and then some. So before wow. COVID, my schedule was every weekday from seven to four, I was at school. Um, you want to get there before the kids are there to greet them as they come in. And we would also stay for about an hour after school every day to make sure the students had a safe place to be. Um, we work in some pretty intense parts of Philly. So it was always really nice to know that the students had a place to be after school if they didn't necessarily want to go home yet, but also didn't have a ton of options as to where else to go. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So you're literally at the school full time. So yeah. what are you doing during the day? Because obviously like these kids have classes. Are you meeting with kids one-on-one? -on -one? Are you trying to get you to like work with them? Like how does it work? It's a little bit of both. Um, so our main focus is with the 12th graders, but we also try to work a little bit with every other grade, um, especially with freshmen on encouraging them to practice good attendance, to make sure that they're, you know, keeping up with their grades. But primarily we work with the 12th graders. So it's a mixture of occasionally being able to pull them out of a class or pull them out of an advisory session to have a quick one-on-one -on -one conversation. But we also, at least in the school I work in, we have teachers that are willing to work alongside us. So they will say like, okay, on Wednesdays, you work with 12 plus instead of coming to class. So we would get like two or three class periods with them to do some more group facilitation. So explaining like, what is FAFSA? What is Common App? Um, how do I apply to college? That's a really 
it's really helpful to have a large group in front of you, even though you're probably going to rehash the same conversation individually with every kid. Um, it's good to at least try to reach multiple students at once. Um, yeah. so it's, a, it's a big mix. And it also, I, I mean, I think working with children at any age, but especially working with high schoolers requires a lot of flexibility. So sometimes you think you're going to have 30 kids sitting in a room and that's not exactly what happens. And you end up just having to find like little moments in the hallway to connect with them or hope that they walk into your room to say hi the next day. So it requires Absolutely. being pretty adaptable. <laughs> For sure. And not only that, but you're dealing with a bunch of different personalities. Um, Obviously, it's uh, high school kids. Um, (laughs) I'm curious to know, like, are the majority of kids there, are are they looking to go to college? Do they think that's an option for them? Or are you um, having to show them like, no, like, you can actually do this? Like, what's it what's it like? So in the school I work in, uh, Kensington Health Sciences Academy, I'd say that it's a pretty even split. We Mm -hmm. have approximately, and of course, every senior class will look different, but last year we had approximately half of our students who were hoping to either go to a four-year college or community college, um, and then the other half either knew they wanted to go to beauty school or trade school or the military, or they knew they wanted to work, or they wanted nothing to do with us. Mm. (laughs) So it's a big mix. There are some kids who already know what they want, and all they need from you is like some additional support in getting there, Um, We like to use the word scaffolding a lot. So kind of like not only building up their confidence, but also teaching them about the minutia of applying to college, applying to financial aid. Um, And then there are other students who don't necessarily know that college is an option for them, need someone to tell them that college is an option for them or that whatever they hope to do is an option. Um, I will say like, I had a lot of students last year who at the beginning of the year told me they wanted nothing to do with college, wanted nothing to do with like post-secondary education. And by the end of the year, we're enrolled in the local community college. Um, Yeah. And uh, we're not like, we don't try to push college on anyone who doesn't want it, but we also work in schools where a lot of the kids are not coming from communities that are encouraging them to think about what college might offer for them. So we try to at least uh, let them know that it's always an option for them if they want it. Absolutely. All right. So even going off of that, college, yes, you would hope is an option for everybody if they want it. But economically, like it's just, it's not always feasible, even, you know, if there are scholarships or financial aid or whatever. I don't know if you've experienced any moments where like maybe a kid has gotten into a school and they can't afford it or something like that. Like, how do you... A lot of moments. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, it's just heartbreaking because obviously we deserve to live in a country where everybody does, where you can afford to get an education if you want it and you want to do something good in this world. And it just gets me so mad because it stifles these kids who want to make something with their lives, mm-hmm. but they're not given every chance they deserve because of what their parents do for work. Like it just, it doesn't make sense to me. And that just has to be tough for you, I would assume. Definitely. I think some of the hardest moments last year were when students would come to me with an acceptance letter. And of course I would celebrate with them, but in the back of my mind, I would know like in all likelihood, when you get your financial aid off from the school, it's going to be crossed off of a list of possibilities. Mm. Um, We are huge on community college. Um, Even if you do a year there and save a year's worth of money um, and then have a little less debt, if you do decide to take out loans and go to a four-year school, I will say like a lot of our students 
or rather a lot of the students I worked with, because I can't speak to other people's experiences, they would get their award letters from all of their colleges and we would look at them and the schools where they saw a gap of like $20,000 or even $10,000, they would immediately write off as not an option without me needing to say anything because they don't want to be in debt either. <laughs> um, right. so it, was, it Fortunately slash unfortunately, it usually didn't have to be me telling them like, this is not a feasible option for you. Mm-hmm. Usually they could kind of self-select into schools where they could go with just a couple of loans or even with no loans. And I, I also have some students who were like, no, I'm taking out the loans and I'm going to go to the school I want to. And that's it. And yeah. that's also their choice. It's um, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's also such a fascinating time to be doing this or Last year was such a fascinating time to be doing this in terms of student loan debt, because I had a lot of students being like, well, but what if all student loan debt gets canceled? And I was like, Mm -hmm. maybe, (laughs) 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 but definitely not something we can, you know, plan your future on. So it can be really tough. Some conversations were really hard and some students also just, I mean, who wants to hear like, you shouldn't go there because it's too expensive. Like no one wants to hear that, especially about their dream school. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of students found a relatively happy compromise with starting at community college and maybe agreeing to do their last two years at their dream school. Because also, you know, no one wants to be in debt. (laughs) Yeah, my God. And college is just way too expensive. And it's crazy to think like at 18, you're supposed to know. I mean, I mean, some people definitely do, but I mean, I didn't know what money really meant, what loans really meant. And like, oh, yeah, you'll be paying this off for 20 years. It's like, oh, okay, no worries. It's fine. Don't worry. (laughs) I'm going to live forever. I'm 18. Yeah, exactly. There's no concept of like what that means. Um, And there shouldn't be. You're 18. You're essentially still a child. So Mm -hmm. um, a lot of very frank conversations with students, with parents, but for the most part, I, I think that we do a really good job of simultaneously not saddling our students with unnecessary debt, but also finding schools that they'll still be happy with that are in a more affordable price range. Good, because you are really looking out for the student and their future. And I think that's just so beautiful that there's someone like you and like people like your organization who are really in these schools looking out for these kids and not saying that like teachers don't and that other people don't have people in their lives, but this specific nonprofit is really doing that. And that's, that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, especially right now, I give all of their teachers so much credit, but they can't be expected to simultaneously teach and help students figure this stuff out. It's just, there aren't enough hours in a day. So I do feel really lucky that I get to do this with these kids and I'm really glad that they have as much support as they do. Yeah, 100%. So let's go into working for a nonprofit because I'm sure that has its pros and its cons as well. (laughs) Um, Even though it's like you're doing such amazing work, maybe you're not getting the recognition that you deserve completely. So from your experience, what have from your experience, what have you experienced? (laughs) (laughs) What have been the pros and the cons for you? I would say, I think that I really lucked out with the nonprofit I chose to work at. I think that I could have just as easily been swayed by like an equally pretty website for a pretty unethical nonprofit. And I just happened (laughs) to find one that has really good people at the front. 
I'm also not just saying this because my CEO is probably listening. I really do mean it. Like everyone that works there is just a genuinely kind person. And I think that in part, it has to do with the fact that no one there is making an absurdly high salary. No one there is, um, you know, swimming in money. So it does draw people who genuinely care about the work. I would say negatives one, no one is swimming in money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would, um, I would of course love to be, you know, have a little more pocket change, but it's also very worth it for the work I get to do. I think that I have a really, not a hard time, but I have found it to be something of a challenge to work as a third party nonprofit in a school because I have to navigate being an advocate for my students without ruffling any feathers within the administration because Mm -hmm. we are invited guests in that school. Um, So if I see something that I'm not particularly happy with, I can't immediately act on what what I might want to. I have to make sure that I'm not going to be disrupting the channels in any way. So that's one challenge that comes to mind. But genuinely, I really like it. I like working at a small place. Um, I like being friends with my coworkers and my teammates. And I like that we're all really aligned in terms of our mission. Good. That's the most important thing, you know, that you can all really be together and have that great mission. I'm interested to know. So you've been there for how long? Two years or? I'm in my second year. In your second year. It's like a year and three months. Okay, cool. So from this past year and change, what have been some really rewarding moments that stick out to you? Oh my gosh. (laughs) What a great question. (laughs) (laughs) She just blushed, guys. She literally just like touched her cheeks and was like, oh my God. One moment that stands out to me uh, was like the very first college acceptance of last year. Mm. Um, One of my students who from the beginning had been super gung-ho about applying and getting her FAFSA done and getting everything done. Sorry, let me back up. Every day, my teammate and I would sit outside our room at a little table so we could greet students as they walk in because we want them to see like familiar faces as they enter the school and give them a chance to talk to us. Um, So we're sitting at our little table making small talk and my student ran up to me with like a packet in her hand and I could already tell what it was. And she was like, miss, I got in. And I immediately started crying and she was like, what are you doing? (laughs) Stop being weird. Um, But that was like, and I, the fact that I got to have so many of those moments throughout the year was so incredible. Um, so that stands out as like a really special one, just the first acceptance of the year. Yeah. Um, we also, uh, one of my favorite parts of our physical space, which I've been really missing since we went virtual, uh, at every school that we work in, we have a senior wall. So every single senior gets a photo on the wall with their name, or if they don't want a photo, they get like a picture of the mascot, whatever. Um, and as the year goes on, they get to add stickers to it that say things like, applied to FAFSA, applied to college, got accepted, paid by housing deposit, like all of the little accomplishments that they might have throughout the year, they add stickers and it's a really good motivator for them. And it's a really good way for us to track the amount of work that we're doing with them. So one really special moment was the night that we unveiled it for them at their senior pinning ceremony when they like take a vow to be role models for the underclassmen and to make it to graduation. Afterwards, they all came downstairs into our room and looked at the wall and they all saw their photos for the first time. And it was just a really special moment. Um, I think that so much of high school is spent posturing and trying to seem older and cooler than you are. Um, And to have a moment where all of the students were just genuinely excited and like pointing at the wall and being like, that's me. 
it was just a really genuine moment with them. And I love that's it. great. Yeah, you I mean, I don't know if you do realize I know when it's you in the situation for anybody, it's harder to but you're going to be such an integral part in like all of these kids lives and like in such an important way, you're helping them get to the next step. Are you are you crying? Don't, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm almost crying. It's okay, Kara. But how amazing is that? Like, you're so passionate about what you do and you're truly helping people, helping kids who need the help. And that's just, oh, it's amazing. And, you. you know, you would just hope that in whatever people decide to do with their lives, they're like as passionate about it as you are. And that's the whole point of this is like, go after what you want. And like, you know, the money will follow, you'll be able to find your way, but like do something that's going to make a difference and that you will love completely. So you're a shining example of that. (laughs) That's really (laughs) kind. Yeah, I'm so fortunate to have I wouldn't say fallen into, but to have really lucked out with finding something that I love doing so much, because it's definitely not what I anticipated I'd be doing a few years ago. But yeah, I really, I obviously really love the job, really love the kids. And I'm fortunate that even in this very difficult virtual setting, uh, we're still getting a lot of students who are reaching out to us and who still want to apply to college or find a job that they love. And we're trying to make it work with everything going on. Good, good. As we all are. But, you know, <laughs> for real. I mean, you guys, like, it seems like you have a solid team there. So, you know what? I mean, you just do what you can and it'll, it'll work. It'll work. Yeah. Um, so how would you say that this job has changed you? I mean, there are so many possible answers. I do right. think it's made me, first and foremost, such a more patient person. Uh, because when you work with children, which, you know, some of them are 18, but they're all children. When you work with them, you have to learn how to answer the same question 20 times in 10 minutes without frowning. (laughs) Um, You have to learn how to explain something um, 10 different ways because the first nine don't make sense for that particular student. And those are things that I'd say until it was part of my job, I wasn't always the most patient with. After the second time, I'd be like, never mind, whatever. I've developed a lot more patience. I hope that I've become more of a team player all through college, I would bulldoze group projects. I was like, I got it. None of you touch this PowerPoint. I got it. It'll be perfect. Um, because I couldn't, I couldn't let go of my grasp on control because I didn't trust anyone else to do it as well as me. And actually learning to let go of that and collaborate and see that I'm usually, maybe not usually, very often not the one with the best idea or not the only one that can do something the best has been really good for me in terms of my personal (laughs) and professional growth. Um, So sorry to all the people I went to college with who had to do group projects. (laughs) She's grown, guys. I'm I'm learning. Um, So those are some like tangible ways. But I also think that, like I mentioned earlier, for the last two years of college, all I ever envisioned myself doing was getting my PhD, becoming a professor, writing a couple of books. And like, if I got really lucky being in some of those history documentaries that you have to watch when you have a substitute in high school, (laughs) Um, (laughs) like that was the dream. And in some ways, I love it. (laughs) I think you'll still get there. I think you could do multiple things. (laughs) Yeah, I think that it is still the dream in a lot of ways. But I like that I'm realizing that it doesn't have to be what I'm doing right now. I don't have to have my PhD at 26. That's kind of an absurd goal. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that it's taught me that there is a lot of really valuable work out there that I am actually capable of doing, which is really nice. Cause I definitely put myself in a box for a long time. Yeah. And it's putting yourself in a box, but it's going after goals that are like noteworthy and, and will help you like do things that are good and will help change the world. But even, you know, when you are young and you do have these set goals, it's like you don't always have to stick to them. There are other ways where you can benefit society. And mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be this one thing that you initially set out to do. And you could get there one day too, like 100%. But it's like, all right, well, maybe this is the path I'm going to take this year and next year maybe I'll go this way and like yeah. a little snake action there <laughs> snake wave I no it know. works Whatever. Snake. Okay. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> it's, you That's... you talk so com- you speak so confidently that I was like yeah snake obviously <laughs> I feel like that's me like I'll say something that sounds kind of smart and then I'm like a little snake action and guys are like what <laughs> just gotta sell it with the attitude which exactly. I think you do a great job that's 100% what it is all the time. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, yes, that is such an important lesson. And uh, I'm glad that you are realizing that about yourself. Because I think for anybody who's going through that, yes, people can tell you, oh, you can do this. And like, you don't have to do this one thing. But you do have to realize it for yourself, I think, at some point. Oh, yeah. I mean, I so wish that I had the kind of personality where I could hear a piece of advice and not immediately reject it (laughs) (laughs) because it would have saved me so much time and pain. Right. Um, And I, I also like part of the patience thing is like, I have to grin and bear it when I give my students a piece of what I think is sage wisdom and they do a complete 180 with it because that's what I've spent my whole life doing. So why would they be any different? Um, But I do think that, you know, every mentor I've ever had was right. Like I don't have to go full steam ahead toward one goal without taking some time to like see what else is out there for me. I also think in the last year, I've realized that while I am not by any means anyone's, you know, savior or, you know, the only reason that my kids are doing what they're doing, it has been really incredible to play a direct role in someone's life, uh, however small it is. And I think that while getting my PhD will be really great and lovely, it's not going to necessarily help people the way that I'm able to help people so mm. tangibly right now. And I'm really grateful that I get to do that. In the meantime. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Cause it is, it's about how we can help each other when it comes down to it. That's what it's yeah. about. Yeah. So I'm interested to know, how do you view your future now? I know that's such a broad okay. question, <laughs> but you know, you kind of changed your perspective on like how you view your day to day and like what your goals are. So I'm wondering like when you're looking at maybe the next five or 10 years, what is your vision of them? If there is one? Yeah, I think there are pieces of a vision. Definitely yeah. nothing as coherent as there would have been when I was still in college. Same here. Um, Same here. Yeah. And I think part of that is being in your 20s and a huge part of it is also the fact that we're now living through what we're living through mm-hmm. um, in our early 20s so the idea of having a 10-year plan just seems so silly now I at agree. least to me if it works I agree. For people, then awesome. yeah. <laughs> um, so what I envision in my ideal version of the next 10 years is a lot of travel living in a lot of different places hopefully different countries and cities ideally still doing some sort of work that falls into the category of activism in some capacity or in student empowerment in some capacity, because again, I really love what I'm doing. And I think that I've found that 
I'm kind of good at it. Like I'm good yeah. at being goofy with high schoolers and also getting them to sit down and do their FAFSA. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that especially since March, because I have had more time to be introspective than ever before, I realized that what I really want to prioritize is doing things that will make me happy, uh, mm-hmm. which sounds, I think, incredibly cliche, but also it just is true because I got to do that a lot in college. I got to travel and I got to, you know, experience new things. And that was when I felt the most like myself and when I was the happiest. And considering that we don't know what's going to happen every single day right now, like we go to bed not knowing what the next day is going to bring. Like, I just yep. want to do things that will give me some sense of joy. Um, and hopefully I can be helping other people in the meantime. Right. And I think when you do things that make you happy, you're automatically like bringing joy into this world and you're going to want to be a better person to other people when you're happy. I mean, again, cliche, but that's what it comes down to. Like (laughs) if you're, if you have positive energy, you're going to release that into the world and help other people with it. So yeah, I mean, I think that's a great goal for all of us. One last question. I mean, kind of goes off what we've been talking about, but when you're going into work every day, like what is it that drives you? One of the core tenets of our org specifically that has really stuck with me every day is consistency matters so much to the students we work with because in the school district of Philadelphia and in underfunded and oppressed high schools like the ones we work in, there's so much staff turnover. There's so much student turnover because students get pushed out or criminalized or drop out having people that are there every single day means more to the students than they will probably express to you. Mm. And I see it in how they interact with me. Um, So that is a huge driver is just knowing that I can be a source of consistency for students who may not have it otherwise. And again, they might, but until I know that I'm glad that I can be another one. That's a huge driver. I guess I would also say a lot of the conversations I had with students last year reflected around the idea that they weren't being told from any source in their life that they could accomplish the things they wanted to. And again, I I do not want to be or want to try to be anyone's white savior. And I don't see that as my job. Um, but I think that having an adult who is almost relentlessly positive and relentlessly confident in you yeah. can go a really long way for a child. So Absolutely. that is a big driver too. Yeah, you know, just being a person who's there, it doesn't matter who it is. If you have somebody in your life who believes in you, you're going to turn to that person and be like, all right, well, if they believe I could do it, I'm going to do it. So you're, you're being that person for so many kids out there and you will continue to, and (laughs) I'm just so proud of you. Like you're doing such great work and it's just so amazing to see how far you've come and where you are. So, yeah. I really appreciate that, especially from someone who's really known me since the, the very beginning. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It is cool. It's just cool to see people that we've grown up with, like just doing their thing, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I don't know if there's any like social media or any websites for your organization that you want to plug or anything like that. Yeah, totally. Uh, We have a pretty active Instagram. It's just at 12 plus one, two P L U S. Uh, Our website is 12 plus.org. Yeah. You'll see my face on there a lot because they uh, let me have the password to the website. So (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, exactly. Yeah. But, Please follow along, see the progress you're doing. If you know someone who could donate, please encourage them to donate. It always goes directly to our students. Yeah. 
I think that's all I got. Awesome. Well, Kara, thank you so, so much. I'm so happy we got to do this. And um, yeah, maybe over the holidays, if we're both home, we'll have to catch up for sure. I would love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a joy and I'm really proud of you. This is so cool. (laughs) Well, thank you, Kara. Yeah. I mean, I just love these conversations. I just feel so enlightened after everyone. So, all right. Well, you have a good rest of your night. You too. Bye, Kara. Bye, Kara. (laughs) See ya.